Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in Vanderbilt Football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. In the Music City, I'm Matt Perkins. On tonight's show, I have the pleasure of being joined by not one, but two Corys. You guys all remember Coach Corey Burton from Episodes 1 and 2, where we discussed the two new coordinators at Vanderbilt. But today, we've also got Coach Corey Phillips, recruiting coordinator at Vanderbilt University. But, like always, before we get started with the show, we have to remember to... All right, let's get started. Coach Phillips, thanks so much for being with us here today. Matt, I appreciate it, Corey. I appreciate you reaching out to play. Yeah, absolutely. Coach Burton, you've got uh, some big news when it comes to podcasting yourself. Yeah, I do. Um, I just signed an agreement. I will be hosting the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast. Um, Bless your starting, heart. I know, right? Starting soon. Uh, teaser episode probably come out sometime next week, and then we'll go on from there. Awesome. Well, I'm pumped to have both you guys on tonight, but especially Coach Phillips on tonight to talk about recruiting during the age of COVID because it is a crazy time. We've seen, I'm sure that, you know, the entire way that you have been recruiting, especially in the springtime when you guys are used to going to seven on sevens and camps and stuff like that, has been, to paraphrase Will Smith, a uh, flip turned upside down. Yeah. And to say know, the least. Yeah. So I, got, I guess I, I want to start by asking you, Coach. What's been like the hardest thing to adapt to during the past three months or so? Not being able to physically have those kids on campus. Um, you know, it's one thing to have a bunch of phone conversations, a bunch of text messages, but it's it's different when you can have a kid on campus and get a feel for him, why he's there, uh, his parents, the, the true interest level. Um, you know, you, you can have a kid on the phone, you can tell them all the great things about Vanderbilt, but it's different when you can't when, when you can't see them. Yeah, I, I can imagine that. And you guys are, I think everyone's doing virtual visits now. And virtual visits are the big thing. And so what does a virtual visit look like? So if I'm a you know a 2021, 2022 kid who's interested in Vanderbilt and the feeling is mutual, we're gonna I'm gonna have a virtual visit. I'm seeing all these kids tweet out about had an awesome virtual visit today, like they were going on an unofficial. What what does that look like if I'm a kid going on a virtual visit? That, that's, that's exactly what we wanted to mimic. We wanted to look like an unofficial visit when you say, hey, coach, I'm coming up. Me, my mom, my dad, my sister, my, my grandma, and FYI, I'm also my grandma's. Um, we, want, we want it to look like a day with us. Um, you're going to meet with academics. You're gonna, we're going to send you some things on the front end where you see campus. Uh, you see the weight room, you see, you see Vanderbilt, and then you're going to meet with our academic counselors. You're going to meet with player development. You're going to meet with, you know, a position, you know, your position coach, the head coach, um, the coordinator. I mean, it's going to, it's a, it's a day with Vanderbilt football. So it's basically like you're going through and having like zoom meetings for whatever, 15, 30, 45 minutes, whatever, depending on who it is that you're talking to. Um, that's, that, that's really interesting. It sounds like, go, like going through the car wash when you have to do uh, like a radio spot or something like that at ESPN in a lot that, of ways. That, that would be very complimentary. You know, it's, it's, it's like, cause it's a lot of, you know, you're interviewing them, they're interviewing you. And it, it, it sounds fascinating. I assume there's a lot of like 
uh, pre-made videos and stuff like that to show off the campus that y'all have Correct. to show them as well. Correct. You know, they, they get to see campus on the front end. You know, you don't, you also don't want to bog down your time. You know, those parents have taken time out of their work schedules from home or whatever case may be. The kid, you know, he's got a lunch break from, you know, his virtual schooling. And so you don't want to, you know, monopolize their time. So you give them some stuff on the front end. And, you know, we, we send out some things where the parents can kind of get an understanding of what Vanderbilt is, um, you know, and some of the frequently asked questions. And then, you know, we, once we get on, we just, we, we go from there. And then the pay, you know, it's, it's good for the parents to have, you know, questions on the front end. So they're not hearing things for the first time. They've kind of read over it and seen it. Oh, coach, well, I read this when you sent this. So I've got this question. So a lot of it is actually doing kind of like the pre-visit work then. Correct. There's a so, lot. So Corey, what are some things that you guys are going to, um, as we move out of uh, the, the lockdown phases and, and we get more towards normal, are there anything with the virtual visit uh, structure that you're going to keep as, uh, it, as things get back to normal? I'm Corey, honestly, I don't think there's ever going to be a normal again. As close to normal as, as we get. As close to normal. I think there's there's bits and pieces that we will keep because they've been really, really good. Um, you know, we're, we're always evolving. And, you know, that's that's what good staffs do is continue to evolve. And so we will we'll keep those. Some of these things we'll keep and then some of them won't be relevant to having kids on campus. So a, a kind of a piggyback on that, like when, when you're evaluating kids, I know there's, you know, there's camps, there's going to games, there's uh, visiting spring practice, watching huddle. Um, how has that changed during COVID? Um, what I'm going to venture to say there's not a college coach or personnel staff that has not dove face first into the, into the tape um, because we can't, because there's no camps, so you don't get camp numbers. So now you you got to really trust your evaluation. You've got to you know you've got to get the head coach on the phone. You've got to get the coordinator on the phone. Um, you know what what mom and dad aren't going to tell you their son's the best thing since sliced bread. I, I, I mean that's just a honest God truth. But you know we got to get we got to get try to get the janitor on the phone, and it, and it's hard because you're trying to pull back all the layers to this particular kid to find out who he is and whether or not he's a good fit for us and we're a good fit for him. So, I mean, it's, it, it's been interesting. It's been fun. Now are, are coaches giving you more access to, to their huddle accounts than they normally would? Um, like game film, stuff like we, that. We get, we, we have access to it. Oh, do you? Okay. You know, we, we, we pay for a subscription like everybody else in the country. So we, I mean, we've got all that information. You know, it's, it's watching game after game after game. And you're taking a lot of notes and you're trying to figure out whether or not this kid can play in this conference. Because one of the things, obviously, when you're recruiting, whether it's Vanderbilt or anywhere, is you're not just recruiting to, you know, as a football player, you're recruiting a student athlete. And someone has to fit in the culture, not of just the football team, but of the university. And I would imagine that's even more difficult to do over Zoom because, like you were saying before, like you don't have the ability to see the kids face to face and you would see how they interact with the current team members? Um, again, we're just, we're, we're pulling back the layers. And, you know, recruiting at Vanderbilt is different because of that the academic rigor. I mean, it's the top 15 academic school in the country. 
it, it, it doesn't need a lot of sell, but I say that and it takes a special kind of kid to come to Vanderbilt and because our kids are going to compete 250 some days out of the year with the who's who's of the world of academia across campus and then come back and have to compete against guys that, that play on Saturdays trying to get paid on Sundays. Well, yeah, well, it's a who's who's of college football. So, you know, no there's no, literally no days off. Without a shadow of a doubt. And that's why I think Vanderbilt is special. And the young, the players that we have, our staff, you've got to be a special creature, special man and woman to work here because our kids, you don't get to miss class and it'd be okay. Not saying that that goes on in other places. I can tell you firsthand that you miss class at Vanderbilt, there's consequences and repercussions. That, I mean, we're a top 15 school in the country for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. And so I would also imagine, you know, talking about and so through the recruiting process, you're building those expectations with the kids and those standards and those norms of if you come here, you better be ready to work. You better be ready to go to class every single day because you're not going to be able to afford to slack off in the classroom on campus and things like that. How has your sort of communication, especially with the incoming class, changed? Because I imagine that, you know, typically during the spring, they're sort of, um, you know, r- really ramping up to for summer ball. But, you know, you, they don't have the same resources that they are usually having when they have, you know, a gym at the school or whatever. Man, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Our messaging hasn't changed with those guys. And it kind of goes back to what I said. We, rec- we recruited a special class, a, a bunch of special kids. They knew the, the, the expectation walking through the door because they've already done those things. You know, we, we've got kids that come, they come in with a strong academic background. Now we just, we just surround them with the resources to be successful at Vanderbilt. And I know I said top 15, top 15, top 15. We've got enough resources that all you got to do is dive into them. You're going to come out on the other side with a degree. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. Yes. Are there going to be some hard days and some hard classes? Of course, it's supposed to be hard. It's college. It's school. It's not going to be easy. But our our guys embrace the challenge. You know, we've got a head coach that believes in academics and our academic support staff, our staff, player development and academics do a phenomenal job with our guys and resourcing them. You need a tutor? Let's get that. Let's let's make that happen. Hey, you got a paper coming up next Wednesday, and it's you know it's the Monday before, you know the the week before. Hey, we're we're gonna make plans ahead so we're not you know playing catch up. And I you know our guys dive into it. I'm sure. Now, I'm sure. Now, yeah. as far as as far as supervision goes, Corey, uh, with with all the academic stuff, you got your academic support team, but on the staff. Coach Mason, how does he divide up academic responsibilities? Does it fall on the GAs? Does uh, do you and your staff take uh, some responsibilities? How does that work? Well, we've got a pl- we've got a player de- development department that they have game plan meetings. They don't they don't do anything with football. It's hey for the next five days, this is what you have in front of you. How are we gonna knock next seven days? How are we gonna knock these things out? Hey, where are you on this paper? Have you met with this tutor? It's a game plan meeting that they have weekly. And then we get weekly um, academic progress reports. Those get dispersed to the coaches. The coaches are having non-football conversations. They're having very intentional conversation about, hey, 
you, hey, you got a, you got a 90 on this paper. I'm proud of you. Hey, this is due on this day. Make sure we stay out in front of our coaches are having those conversations. And then the head coach, you know, him show, he'll, he'll show up in, in, in study hall and just look around. May not ever say anything. He's just going to look. You know, he meets with our academic support team. Uh, so there's an open line of communication at all times. You know, we, we kind of hold we we hold your hand from the moment you get here to the moment you leave. Well, I think that that's a you know it's the same way you're just saying there you're setting them up for success. You Correct. Know? Yeah, exactly. And so, speaking of setting up for success, you guys have two new coordinators this year, Coach Fitch, Coach Roof. And so, without us, without really, you guys had a couple spring practices, I think, before before everything got shut down. But what has been, you know, the biggest, I guess, difficulty has that been especially difficult because you have two new coordinators and are instituting new, two new systems. I think the biggest, the biggest hindrance and difficulty is not physically having our guys. But if you ever meet Coach Kroof and Coach Fitch, you fall in love instant. These dudes are absolute rock stars. And they've done a good job of when, when when coaches have a lot of time to meet with our players, they they're they're maximizing the time. They're able to get installs, but but more importantly, they're able to just listen to our guys and and hear from them. And you know, with everything going on, they they've got a kind of a safe haven to to, to talk about what it, whatever the case may be. But both of those guys have have done extremely well and just embracing hey i got here we we're in the middle of a pandemic hey this is how we're going to function moving forward and, and they've done a good job and our, our guys have embraced it now since things are come starting to return starting to uh, they're starting to let players back what have you guys done in the return to campus uh, to ensure that you know they're they're healthy and they're uh, you know you're getting plenty of tests and all that stuff talk about that so we we have not we do not have all of our guys back, and that's that's intentional. We brought them – we staggered their arrivals in groups so we didn't have a mass, you know, arrival of a bunch of guys. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're going to practice social distancing. And, you know, we required them to get tested before they left. Uh, we've, we're going to test you again upon two days after arrival. And we're, we're going to take all the precautionary measures we can – you know, checking temperatures every day, uh, hand sanitizer, mask, name it, we have it. And, you know, the biggest blessing of it all is we have access to the medical center. And those experts and and those doctors that are able to, hey, y'all might want to look at this or, hey, you need to do this. You know, hey, this came out in the NFL yesterday. Hey, let's incorporate that. And, you know, Coach Mason's, uh, very well connected, so he 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 knows countless people that he can call and say, "Hey, what are y'all doing?" And you know, I'm I feel like Vanderbilt's uh, going to be one of the pioneers for do it the right way. This is the way it should be done. Yeah, I can certainly hope so, and we can we can hope that the rest of the SEC and college football fall in line with that too, because it, it, I think we're going to see very different responses, obviously across from state to state. You know, we're hearing. I guess that would be the biggest thing I'd be concerned about for the fall is that, you know, you know, Tennessee allows, you know, the games to happen. But in Kentucky, you know, they've got a you know different government. They may not allow games to happen. So, how? I mean, obviously, you guys just have to kind of take it day by day now. But have you guys started, like, thinking about those kinds of contingency plans for the fall? 
we we've got a rock star for an athletic director. So I would imagine that that Candace has thought of everything, and she she's got a think tank around her that they're going to bounce a lot of ideas and and figure out what works best for us in different situations. And you know, it's it's going to be a fluid process because there's going to be a lot of people involved. A lot of different states making those decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Um, speaking of the incoming class, you said you guys are staggering the staggering the guys coming back to campus. Now, is that by like age, by position, by how how'd you guys figure out who to bring back when? It it was a combination of things based on where they lived and what year they were, and you know it, it was a con. We used a they used a bunch of different different scenarios that that we figured would work best for our ball club. Yeah. So and then I guess, uh, you know, you guys have a couple of incoming freshmen that are expected to make a lot of noise, but they're going to be, like I said, having to adapt to a a new playbook. Are there any guys that you can obviously we're not going to talk about, like, you know, specific guys you expect to do well, because we expect all the guys to do well. We hope they all do well. So um, I know I'm excited about um, a bunch of the guys, but do you think there will be space for them, these incoming freshmen, true freshmen on the two deep? I do. Um, Competition breeds success. And this is a really, really edgy, competitive bunch. Um, and, I, and I fully expect those kids to come in swinging. No, no, make no bones about it. I expect them all to come in and swing and, and shoot their shot at, at being in the two deep, maybe the starter. Uh, but I also believe wholeheartedly in those old guys. Hey, young pup, it's going to be okay. You're going to get your turn, but it's just not going to be on my watch. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. What, three new quarterbacks, I think? Four. Four new quarterbacks Four. coming in, yeah. Two freshmen, two transfers. Um, and I, Coach Fitch, I don't envy him at all in this situation, but just just to watch him be around those guys um, in meetings – they're they're in really good hands, and that room is a competitive bunch. I, I I'm excited to watch them compete when we whenever the day comes. They say, "Hey, y'all can go out and practice football." I can't wait for that competition to start. I mean, it's already starting in the meeting rooms, mm-hmm. and that that's because of the atmosphere in the rooms. You know, our, our coaches are pushing the envelope. Hey, you see all these new faces? Somebody's trying to get get employed. So, I mean, it, it, it breeds a little competition, and I, I'm excited. I, I can't. What position group are you most excited to see back on the field? Like, where's, like, that real hard-nosed, like, cutthroat, almost over-the-edge competition going to be? In the secondary. Now, Corey's going to say, because I'm an ex, I'm an ex-DB he, guy. He's a, he's a DB guy. I'm going to say that. I'm not surprised. I'm, all, I'm that group and then the quarterback battle. But everybody loves a good quarterback. Battle. Of course, who, who doesn't? Who doesn't enjoy that? Um, you know the the secondary guys. Just because I like to watch those guys compete, because they're not only competing versus receivers; they're competing amongst each other. Mm-hmm. You know, who, who can get their hand on the ball first? You know, it it that bunch is a little bit. They're a little older, so they they they've been around the horn once or twice for some of them, and you can tell they 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 carry themselves a little bit different and they should, they're 20 years old. So they, there's a little bit, a little bit of a battle in that room. And in the quarterback battle, I, I'm just excited because there's four really, really neat kids in that, in that room, no personality bigger than the other one. And they're all talented. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be that's that's one of the things I'm really I'm really excited to see is that, you know, the JUCO experience can be helpful. But then, you know, some of these other young kids, we've seen true freshmen step in and be really successful recently. That and that is probably one of the biggest shifts we've seen in the past five, 10 years of college football is that we're seeing more and more true freshmen just step in and make a big difference, you know. Um, Derek Singley Jr. on LSU comes in and is one of the best DBs in the country as a true freshman. And so, you know, I, I think that's that, that's really cool. And that's something you get to sell to, to the recruits too. It's like, you know, you come in, you compete, and if you're the best, you're going to play. I've, in, in my time at Vanderbilt, I've heard enough NFL scouts say, we want to see snaps played. What do you, what does the film say? Yeah, there's, there's the anomaly in college football where you have that, that guy that has nine, you know, 15 sacks in a season. And where was he the year before? He was, sitting, he was standing on the sideline. Those are going to pop up here and there, but they're not the common thread. Mm-hmm. Played. You know, um, you know, every now and again, you get an exceptional freshman like Jamar Chase was, you know, he's different. Oh, yeah. And Stingley, yeah. too. But, you know, every now and again, those pop up. But the NFL wants to see snaps played. So if, you know, for us, if you're the best man, and you're 18 years old and you just got to campus, so be it. Let's go, buddy. Absolutely. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, and I, I'm really excited about just Coach Fitch's scheme that he's going to bring with him. It's going to be way more wide open. It's going to be way more wide open. And as a former offensive lineman, I'm excited to see how the, how the pass blocking is actually going to work because it's going to be a new group, a lot of communication things to have to overcome when it comes to learning new verbiage and learning new blocking schemes. So I'm, I'm personally very interested in how coach Russell Mondo's group is going to look. I, I can say this and having been around Pete since he got here, coach Mason is big on our coaches being teachers. And I, I'm a firm proponent of that because if you can, if you can teach, you can coach and you got to be able to teach an O-lineman where his eyes need to be. You got to you got to be able to teach a quarterback, hey, here's your progression. And just listen to those guys talk about football, X's and O's, they're teachers. They're, they're teachers. They understand that some kids are going to be visual learners, some are going to be audio learners. Some are going to hear you say, hey, we got to make an out call right here. Hey, we got to dump the call and change it, go back the other way. Some are going to hear it. Some need to physically see it. And – our staff is is built up of a bunch of guys that are teachers. They they can teach it. That's I mean that's important. Um, I mean I, I've heard that all throughout my my journey as a coach. You know you better be a good teacher, or it's not gonna. You know if you're just a yeller screamer that doesn't really have any substance behind it, you're not gonna make much of a difference. So all you've done is disrupt practice. Exactly. All, and all you're doing is just saying, "Hey, look at me! Look at me! Look at me!" So um, you better be saying something. Exactly right. Not just the F word. Um, but uh, the, the the last thing I'll, I'll finish this up with, uh, Corey, is in the news, you hear all these people getting hired, quality control analysts. And, and a lot of people are sitting there scratching their head going, okay, what's the difference in these two um, off the field type roles? So tell us, uh, what's the difference between quality control and, and an analyst? Depends on, depends on the university. So at Vanderbilt, what does that look like? Um our, our, Q, our QCs um, are going to help with, with, with game prep. Um, they're going to do all the off-the-field, the, not so much the clerical stuff, but, like, all the spreadsheets, all the diagrams for, for practice, all the, the analytics for um, 
that practice and, you know, that week's breakdown, they're, they're going to do all of that stuff, you know, and then, you know, an, an analyst for us is going to help do that stuff, but they're also going to do advanced scout. So, you know, as an analyst, it's, it's, you know, you're juggling that weekend or the, the next week. I, gotcha. I don't envy those guys at all. No, they're, they're just sitting there buried watching film and watching film and watching film and watching yeah. more film until their eyes get crossed. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And we, we've got some really good ones. Um, you know, one, one of our guys is a former NFL guy. And, and just to listen to him talk football, Coach Ingles is like a football encyclopedia. I mean, it is I, – I envy those guys that are in the office with him because they get to hear it all day long. And, you know, every chance I get, I want to stick my head around there. Coach, what, what, what story are you telling today? Because, I mean, you, those guys that have been around the game a long time, you can never soak up enough. And, you know, Coach Mason is good about surrounding the young staff with, with guys that can pour into their careers. Well, and that's what actually really I, I thought was interesting about hiring Fitch and Roof. Those guys have almost 70 years in college football together. And so I imagine that they've got stories on stories on stories, both when it comes to schematic things and when it comes to sort of just what they've seen and, and what they've seen and what they've seen change in the game. Correct. And that's I think that's one of the, the things that excites me the most about those two is how their careers and their thought process has evolved with time. You know, some coaches are old school. I've done it this way for 20 years. I'm going to keep doing it. No, these, these guys are always trying to sharpen their two tools in their toolbox and learn more. And they're never the smartest guy in the room. It's, you know, they, they're, they're up for suggestions. Hey, what do y'all think about this? Do you like this? Do you, Hey, if you don't like it, somebody speak up, you know, versus, hey, we're going to do it this way, and I don't need any dialogue. Yeah, where, where it's completely black and white. You have to – this player has to do this in this position at all times. Whereas, you know, one of the things Corey, we, Corey Burton, I should say, when we were talking about earlier was that Ted Roof schematically is a chameleon. Like, he's just he, – he's always changing to whatever the team needs, whatever the, suits the players best. He's not one of these guys that's going to be like, we have to be in a 3-4 for every single snap. Matt, you just said it. He adjusts based on his personnel. He's he's not arrogant enough as a defensive coordinator to think, all right, my scheme is the best scheme in the world, and they're going to do it that way because my way works. But that may not be what's best for our team. All right, we've, we've got more of this, so we need to be doing this. Mm-hmm. We've got a really strong secondary, so let's yeah. take advantage of it. You know, mm-hmm. How can we get five DBs on the field at once? And, and, the and He's going to come after you, too, from the last week. This conference makes you have to play with five DBs. Mm-hmm. You can't live and play in the SEC and not play with five DBs. You you have to. I mean, these offensive coordinators across our conference are really, really creative uh, as far as picking up, making matchups. So, you got. I mean, you got to play with five DBs, but you also got to be able to get a pass rush and, and you know, rushing coverage work together. So, Corey, are you, uh, are you a three-down or a four-down guy? Depends on what depends on what my personnel tells me I am. That's I, a good answer. I have I have learned that since yes. I, I've made the transition from high school to, to, to college is don't don't be stubborn. If, if you're better in the even front, then even front team. No, you gotta move it around a little bit, but 
don't don't be arrogant enough to say, you know what, I am. This is what I am, and I'm not budging from it because mm-hmm. you're going to get beat. Yeah, I mean the, the coverages and the and the pressures have gotten so creative that you can change with your personnel and still get the pressure that you want to get that you would get if you were primarily a, a three down team or a four down team. And you just it's just a different guy getting there in a different manner. But as long as your gaps are covered and you got the personnel, it's good to go. Corey, the 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 biggest thing is team defensive coordinators have gotten more exotic in and where they're bringing pressure from. But if if you look at it in the grand scheme of it, they're just trying to trying to find a way to find one one on one matchup that they can exploit repeatedly. They just may you, you're going to pass the stress around. Mm-hmm. You know, we may bring the nickel on first down, may bring the mic back on second down, may bring the nickel and the mic on third down. It's just a matter of how do I get my best players in a position to win? Yeah, and where is where where is the weakest link in the chain going to be on this given play in our opponent, and how can we attack that? I was watching uh, I was watching some LSU All Twenty Two. Uh, there's a guy I think Bobby Peters on Twitter uh, puts out these All Twenty Twos or whatever, and I was watching uh, I was watching him against Georgia Southern, and Georgia Southern brings a pressure where they brought the nickel off the off the left edge and then they just they just spiked the the five technique into the B gap and the and the left tackle didn't know what to do and the the, the B gap rusher oh yeah he was he was uh he's like those little things at the uh dealer, car dealerships that flap in the wind that's what he looked like and, and he probably uh, didn't touch anybody did he no he didn't touch a single one and the B gap guy made the sack just killed Joe Burrow and again they figured they they found a, a blitz that they figured they could get home on, and they probably mm-hmm. repped it Tuesday, yeah. Tuesday, Thursday, and they and they Friday. and they slow played it, they slow played it, and just bam, and then they they uh, they robbed the the I believe it was the will they robbed the will over the top to to cover his zone, and now to that same effect, you you get Joey on the ground once that pro- you probably didn't get home again. No, probably not. No, at least with that blitz. Good teams make adjustments, mm-hmm. and it, it, it's a game of adjustments, and, and it happens fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can say, having been on a college sideline for the last four years, that I've seen a lot of adjustments, and they happen really, really fast. But it's a, it's a tribute to those kids because they can absorb so much so fast. Mm-hmm. You know, coach saying, "Hey, you got to give an out call when you see the sound backer." Well. What number was the soundbacker is what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or the my fault, the average Joe Blow may be thinking, who is the soundbacker? Well, <laughs> Sam, that, who's Sam? I don't know Sam. <laughs> that tackle knows exactly who he is, what his number is, probably what he ate this morning for breakfast, mm-hmm. and what his girlfriend's name is. The back knows who he is. Hey, we got to make an out call. It happens that fast. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the faster your offense plays or the faster the other team's offense plays – these adjustments happen really, really fast. There's not there's the the, the time on the sideline is very vital. Mm-hmm. It's how much can we get adjusted, calm everybody down, so we can go out and execute again. Yeah, you've almost got to have that that uh, selective amnesia where okay, bad the bad stuff happened. We got to forget about it. Let's move on. You got your ten seconds to, to throw your tantrum and and let, let's go. Um, yeah, I mean, again. Play every play one play at a time. Mm-hmm. Nope, not one ball game was won on one play. It's a series no. of plays. So in those series of plays, you still have to be able to execute 
whether things go things go good or things go bad, you've got to line up and execute the very next play. Exactly. Um, and, and we've got a head coach that is is extremely passionate, but he's very calm on the sideline. Never too high, never too low. You know, everything's in the middle. And he does a good job of being excited when things when good things happen and when bad things happen. It's like, hey, let's move on to the next play. Yeah, you almost got to have that as, as a good leader. And, you know, Matt and I talked about the, the seven habits of effective leadership. And, um, you know, that's that's something that that uh, that goes hand in hand. So uh, before we let you go, though, um, like home games, we know you're doing the recruiting thing, hanging with the recruits, taking them around, uh, you know, doing the whole official visit thing. But on the road, do you travel with the team? Do you have a specific role on the road or are you just there to help wherever needed? I do travel. It's help wherever needed, but also on game day, you 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 know you're looking at the other team. You you're looking at their players and seeing how you know how well or how bad they haven't recruited in our conference. Everybody does a good job, mm-hmm. um, and you know you you you're looking at those guys, and then you're also looking at their game day atmosphere and how how you can build on yours. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there if anybody says that they invented the best game day atmosphere ever from a recruiting standpoint, they're lying. They're a good salesman. Everything, everything's a copycat. You're mimicking somebody else. Mm-hmm. You're just putting your spin on things. Um, it, it's the same thing with X's and O's. Who, who invented an inside zone? Somebody will take the credit for it. Somebody in 1920 probably. A million different ways. Yeah. Exactly. Everybody runs smash. Everybody runs four verticals. Everyone runs cover four. Everyone. It just depends on what you want to call it that day. Exactly. So. Awesome. Well, uh, Coach Phillips, thanks so much for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule of, uh, you know, virtual visits and whatnot to uh, to spend it here with us tonight. Uh, Hope we can have you back on again very soon. Matt, I appreciate it. Corey, you know, anytime you want to reach out, brother, you know where to find me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Coach. We'll see you guys. Thanks for listening to the Believe in Vanderbilt Football podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, anchor down. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.